So how do you attract new business so you constantly don't have to chase it? Hi, I'm Mike Cuevas, the real estate marketing dude, and this podcast is all about building a strong personal brand people have come to know, like, trust, and most importantly, refer. But remember, it is not their job to remember what you do for a living, it's your job to remind them. Let's get started. What's up, ladies and gentlemen? Welcome to another episode of the Real Estate Marketing Dude Podcast. Uh, folks, we've been walking around or walking around talking about and around um, the shift in this marketplace and what the hell you as a real estate agent are going to do to actually earn your split. There's a huge lawsuit going on, a class action settlement. It looks like it's got some legs. Um, the market, we're dealing with fucking 8% interest rates. And let's be honest, the transactions are down. We're at number 60,000 real estate agents have left the industry so far. And these times are times that you want to look forward to, believe it or not, because it's during the shifts that you actually gain market share and make moves. This is when people start making money, but not the ones that sit and do absolutely nothing and still doing the same shit you were doing 25 fucking years ago. So what we're going to be really chatting about today is how you sharpen your skill set as a real estate agent, a lender, anyone within this marketplace, because... Your broker ain't going to save you out of this shift. Who's going to save you is your own skill set. And a lot of times that means you're going to have to get off your butt and learn something new and start providing more value. In a market with high inflation and uh, costs, I mean, gas today, I just spent $140 filling up my truck um, in gas. I'm in San Diego. People want to learn how to save money, period. There's not a better time than to learn what we're going to talk about today because it has everything on how to save money for your already existing clients, much of which you could be using for content right now in this day and age because nobody, one of the things that's resonated the most is how do you help people navigate the mess of the economy we're in and the save money. So without further ado, we're going to go ahead and introduce our guest, Mr. Eric Oliver, who's an expert on cost segregation. And I'm going to let him tell you what that is in a second. So Eric, why don't you say hello to our guest? Tell him a little hey, bit about hey. yourself and what we're going to talk about and why the hell is this so important today? Because it is. Yeah, no. Um, uh, thanks, Mike. It's a pleasure being here. My name is Eric Oliver. I'm with a company called Cost Segregation. And we work with um, investors, brokers, agents, um, CPAs across the country, helping their clients or helping them save money, save tax dollars through their real estate that they currently hold. And so um, the way we do that is something called cost segregation, which really is just accelerated depreciation on your real estate holdings. So one of the benefits of owning real estate is you get to depreciate that or take an expense every year However, that expense typically gets spread out over either 27 and a half or 39 years. And so what we like to tell clients is, listen, I may not even own the building in 27 and a half years, let alone um, be alive. The way my wife tells me I eat, I probably won't even be alive in 27 and a half years. So I want my deductions now versus letting the IRS hold on to these. And that's what we do um, through cost segregation is accelerate those deductions. Interesting. So in other words, you could... People, if you own real estate and for you realtors and everyone who's on this podcast, you're in the real estate space, um, you can save your clients money on shit they didn't know you could save them money on before. And you're talking about creating a value add and trying to create buzz and trying to add value in today's market. Uh, tell me more. And yeah. who is your ideal client for this? Is this a homeowner um, living there or are these are these real estate investors that have investment properties? And is there a difference? Sure. So kind of our, our ideal 
um, customer would be somebody who owns real estate. So usually it's the investor themselves, not so much the tenants or the people living there. It's only depreciation only works. You can only take advantage of it on revenue generating property. So it can't be your primary residence, but any investment property, um, the way it works is when you buy a property, you don't just buy the land in the building. Think about like a, a single family residential unit, for example. So I buy that, let's say I spend 500,000 on it. I'm buying the building and the land, but I'm also buying a bunch of carpet. I'm buying some appliances. I'm buying some cabinets. I'm buying a sprinkler system. I'm buying a driveway. All those things I mentioned, the IRS says should be depreciated at a faster rate than 27 and a half years. Now, the problem, Mike, is when you give that closing statement to your tax preparer that says you bought this residential unit for 500,000, your CPA or your tax preparer, they don't know the value of the parking lot. They don't know the value of the driveway. They don't know the value of the appliances. What we do, that's what we do, is we come in and we take that $500,000 purchase price and we segregate those costs, thus cost segregation. We segregate those costs into different buckets, which now allows your CPA to depreciate all the appliances over five years versus 27 and a half. And we put a value to those. So we say, okay, of that 500,000 you spent, you know, 40,000 of that was for appliances. Um, you know, 80,000 of that was for a driveway, for the cement, for the sidewalk, all those different components. And so that's what we're, that's the service we provide is we work with investors and CPAs and brokers on accelerating the depreciation. And now, why is this so important for uh, real estate agents and brokers? And the reason for that is it just is one more one more tool that differentiates you from the next guy, right? Or the next gal. So being able to tell your client, hey, I know you're looking at purchasing this property, but what if we can free up $80,000 of cash flow by doing cost segregation once you purchase this? Or better yet, not to get too far in the weeds, Mike, but you got a client who comes to you and says, I want you to sell my property. There's an opportunity to save them tax dollars upon sell by doing cost segregation. And so they come to you and say, hey, why, I want to list my property with you. I've owned it for 10 years. I bought it for a million. I'm selling it for 2 million. I want to list this with you. What if you go back and say, okay, I'll list it, but not only am I going to list it, but if you considered cost segregation, because I think you can save 80,000 in taxes upon sale. And so there's a number of reasons why this is important, but those are kind of the main reasons, accelerated depreciation, and then decreasing the tax liability upon sale for some of your clients. This is amazing. I've been in real estate for 20 years and I didn't know about this. So um, like, this is really cool because um, I don't know. I don't know about this. And I'm going to assume like, and I'm pretty fucking advanced. Like I know my shit. All right. Uh, so if I didn't know about this, I'm assuming the vast majority of people are listening, don't know about this either, but yes, what a, what a great value add um, to have. And folks, what we're really talking about here. And if you go back and listen to the last few episodes, we're really taught, you got to define your brand and your, your value in this market. Um, and one of the, in any shift like this, what always happens um, is going to be that the investor market is going to be the one that's going to feed you throughout the next couple of years. That's just the way it is because people are dealing with 8% interest rates and they're, you know, you're, you want to work with investors during times like these. I'm telling you, that's where that's, they're still doing a lot of transactions. The interest rate doesn't affect the cash buyer as much as it does a finance buyer today. And that's why that's where the volume is going to be. So, um, but the point being is like, all right, what's the difference between you and them? You know how many people I ask this to? Uh, Eric, like uh, I would brand agents or different business. And I, I no one can ever answer this question. Like what's the difference between you and every other agent in your marketplace right now? And they're all like, 
well, I'm going to do a good job by the, by the you know, <laughs> <A> customer service, <laughs> a customer service. Yes. We know that you guys, you have to have customer service. That's, that's inferred, but this is the type of stuff that we're talking about is that the riches are in the niches and the one that actually knows and is most knowledgeable is always the ones highest in demand. That's why doctors get paid so much money. Right. Um, this isn't my quote this is Billy Jean said this once and he's like, Hey, the doctors get paid a lot of money because there's only so many doctors. If they're cleaning houses, they wouldn't be paid the amount of money as they are. And it makes a lot of sense. This is a skill set and people who have skills get paid folks. So I want to put this into context and I see you got a couple of case studies on your site. So I just want to walk through and tell them in a story. I'm going to pick a sure. case study from your site and just walk through how this would, um, work. And you probably know what the one I'm going to grab is going to be the residential, uh, rental one. Um, and let's just walk through in, in, in context how this actually works. All right. So I'm a yep. real estate agent. I have a client that bought a investment property residential. It's under four units. Um, and in this particular uh, case study, walk me through, I'm going to walk me through what I would do, my involvement on this case study and how I would literally one up like my competition. Sure. So, so for example, you've got a client, they buy a fourplex, for example, and I don't know the exact numbers on the case study online. So I'm just going to use numbers that Fair. are easy. easy That's fine. <laughs> so yep. I don't have to put the calculator out, but let's say you buy uh, a fourplex. Let's say you buy it for a million dollars. Let's say it's a million. Actually, let's call it a million two, because one thing we do need to mention is land is not depreciable. So you always have to back out the land value. So you buy it for a million two, Let's say the land is worth 200000 so you've got a million dollars of depreciable basis. That million dollars, if you don't do cost segregation, you're going to take that million dollars, you're going to divide it by 27 and a half years, and that's going to be your write-off every year. So I'm just going to plug that in my calculator, 27.5. You're going to get a, is that right? Yes, you're going to get a $36,000 write-off every year for the next 27 and a half years, which is great. That's why a lot of people get into real estate. This $37,000 or $36,000 write-off that acts as an expense. So let's say I make $136,000 a year. Instead of me being taxed on $136,000, I've got this $36,000 expense. So now I'm only taxed on $100,000. So again, if I'm in a 30% tax bracket, by reducing my taxable income by $36,000, I just saved $10,000 in taxes. That's without cost segregation, just standard my 127th of a deduction. What we do at cost segregation and what we propose is, is that, again, when I buy that fourplex, I also bought some dishwashers, some flooring, some window covering, some ceiling fans, all those different components that the IRS says, hey, that stuff doesn't last 27 and a half years. And so we typically, when we do our cost segregation studies, we typically segregate around 30% of that. So on a million dollar asset, 30% of that is 300,000. So $300,000 of your million dollar asset, we're going to put it in shorter asset lives, five, seven, and 15 year assets. The five and seven year is all your internal stuff, washers, dryers, appliances, flooring, et cetera. Then you've got a 15 year category, which is all your land improvements, curbs, gutters, asphalt, all the exterior stuff. By moving or segregating those items and putting them in shorter life buckets, I'll say, it allows us to take that depreciation at a much faster rate. Now, before we go on, Mike, we probably should talk about bonus depreciation because that has a huge impact on cost segregation. Um, bonus depreciation has been around for a long time. The government uses bonus depreciation to stimulate the economy. So when the economy is not doing well, they say, hey, guys, we're going to give you a bigger write-off if you go out and buy stuff. And so, again, bonus depreciation has been around for a long time. It's anywhere from 10% bonus up to 100% bonus. 
rewind a little bit to 2017. Donald Trump was our president. Donald Trump owns a boatload of real estate. Donald Trump revised the tax code. And when he did so, he took bonus depreciation and made some changes that really amplified the amount of tax savings a investor could have on their real estate. So two things changed. One is they changed it from 50% bonus at the time to 100% bonus. What that means, Mike, is that any asset that has a useful life of 20 years or less is eligible for 100% bonus. So if I go out and buy a truck today, and it's a certain size truck, I can then write off that whole truck, 100% of it in the first year. I don't have to spread it out over the useful life of that truck. That's a huge Interesting. Thing. Yes. So that's the first thing. The second thing, now remember, it has to have a useful life of 20 years or less, Mike. So real estate normally is 27 and a half or 39. So this is why a lot of tax preparers don't think bonus applies to real estate because they're like, well, this is a 27 and a half year residential unit. I can't apply bonus. But you can apply bonus if you break out the five, seven, and 15 year parts of that asset because those all have useful lives of 20 years or less. That was the first thing. The second thing that changed with the Tax Cuts and Jobs Act was bonus depreciation used to only apply to brand new property. So you'd have to build a brand new fourplex. You couldn't buy an existing one. Well, that changed in 2017 and they added five words to the tax code. It says new to you, the taxpayer. So now you can go buy a building that was built in 1970. It's new to you, the taxpayer. You do a cost egg study, separate those five, seven and 15 year assets. And all of a sudden you can accelerate and take hundred percent of those. So the hundred percent, does Go it ahead. matter the length of time? Because no. if you're going from 27.5 down, you pick what time you want based upon how long you're going to hold the asset? No. So the, we pick it based, actually not we, the IRS has picked it based on how long those assets last. So carpet only lasts five years. It, according to the IRS, carpet lasts typically five years. So they allow you to depreciate it over five years. A driveway or a land improvement lasts 15 years. So typically that gets depreciated over 15 years. So cost segregation is going to segregate those items. Then we apply bonus, which means in that example we had with the fourplex, if I segregate 30% of that or 300,000 and I take 100% bonus on that, I'm now getting a $300,000 write-off in the first year versus if you remember when we first started this scenario, we were getting a $36,000 write-off. Yeah. So I just... So now if I make 130,000 in taxes, or excuse me, in income, in our first example, I would remove 30,000 from my depreciation. I'd only be taxed on 100,000. Now, if I apply bonus depreciation, I'm now getting a $300,000 write-off. I only make 130. So not only am I going to pay no taxes on my 130,000, I'm paying zero taxes, but now I've got 170,000 that carries forward as a deduction into next year's tax return. And I'm going to pay no taxes next year. So wow. I just saved myself $60,000, $70,000 in taxes by doing cost segregation and taking advantage of bonus depreciation. So that's kind of a high level, Mike, on how it works on buying an asset. Now, let me just talk quickly to the agents, because I think this is probably the most important piece for them. That's buying on the buying side. When somebody comes to you and they're selling an asset, let's say they come to you, Mike, and they're like, hey, I bought this, I bought this office building five years ago for a million dollars. I'm now selling it five years later and it's worth 2 million. Can you help me out agent? Of course, the agent's going to say, I'm happy to help you out. And not only can I help you out, I'm going to save you tax money by doing so. 
And the way you do that, Mike, is if I buy a building for a million dollars five years ago and I'm selling it for two million, I just, when I go to settle up with the IRS, I'm telling them that everything is doubled in value, right? I bought all this stuff for a million. I'm selling all this stuff five years later for two million. So everything's doubled in value. So the IRS is going to charge you on that million dollars of gain. However, my land has doubled in value. My walls have doubled in value. But certainly my dirty, nasty carpet that's five years old is not worth double what I paid for it. When you don't do cost segregation when you're selling an asset, you're telling the IRS that your dirty, nasty carpet is worth double what you paid for it. And they said, okay, great. It's worth double. Perfect. We're going to charge you tax on that. What is your carpet worth after owning it for five years, Mike? If carpet is a five-year asset, so I've owned it for five years. It's a five-year asset. It's fully depreciated when I sell it. It's worth zero. Yep. Shouldn't be selling it for double what you bought it for. That's crazy. But the problem is, is your tax preparer doesn't know because they've just treated this asset as one lump sum. They know you bought it for a million. They don't know what the carpet's worth. So then they can't break it out. And so doing cost segregation, not only on the front end when you're buying assets, but also on the back end when you're selling assets. And that's where I think it's most valuable. If anybody, if you guys take anything from this podcast, the realtors, when your client comes to you, they've owned a building for a couple of years and it's increased in value, always suggest a cost sake study, at least have the numbers run. Because in that example, that million dollar example, you could save your client $40,000, $50,000 in taxes. And you're going to be a hero in their mind. And not every agent's going to tell them that. You know, well, agents... Yeah, go ahead. I don't think anyone's going to tell them that. No, yeah, not this, even a tax preparer, probably, unfortunately. Prior to 2017, and when uh, the tax code was changed, is was it as... What's the difference? So the difference was, when we segregate, and we say, okay, in that million-dollar building, there's I don't know, $120,000 worth of five-year assets, instead of taking that $120,000 all, all in the first year because of a 100% bonus, prior to that, you would have to take that $120,000 over five years because it's a five-year asset. So you'd basically get a $20,000, I don't know, what is 12 divided by five? Five and some change. You're getting, you're getting a fifth of that basically every year for the next five years. So it's still good. You're still taking it from 27 and a half and advancing it to a five-year asset. But with bonus, we were taking it from a 27 and a half, advancing it to five. And then we were able to take a hundred percent of that in the first year because of that hundred percent bonus. So um, now I should state that the hundred percent bonus did expire at the end of last year. So assets that you do this on for 2023, you're only going to get 80% bonus, which is still very, very favorable. Um, and then it phases out 20% every year, Mike, until 2027 when it's down to zero or until the Congress changes their mind and decides to extend it. So there was actually talks in Congress. There's already proposals on the table to extend the 100% bonus into 2025. So we'll have to wait and see. Kind of what happens. Yeah. Wow. Very, very interesting. But folks, if you're sitting there just like listening to this um, and you're trying to um, – and this is for your own good as well. Like if you're buying a property, you know, we always say you guys should be investors yourself, not just selling, um, helping people acquire or sell their properties. You should be doing it yourself, but this is really great knowledge um, to have. How much does this cost somebody? Um, you know, um, I'm sure it doesn't, is it cheap? Is it expensive? Like what does it cost our clients? Cause that's what they're going to ask us next. Well, how much is it going to cost my client? Well, that doesn't matter if you're making them an extra 
40, 50 K net. Sure. Yeah, but, but it's going to be a question to have. So like, how do you, how does someone pay for this? Cause it's not a CPA service, right? It's not. So it's kind of an, our studies are engineering based. So it's quite an extensive process. We're basically reverse engineering that house or that investment property and trying to put the values to all the components. So studies typically range anywhere from, you know, $2,700 for single family homes up to $10,000, $15,000 for large office complexes where you've got multiple buildings, um, that type of thing. So I know that's a wide range. Typically, we want clients to save anywhere from seven to 10x their investment. So if they're if we're charging them three grand, we're hoping they're going to save at least 30 grand in taxes. And now with bonus percent or with bonus per, um, 100% bonus, they can save even, you know, I've seen cases where, you know, we charge a client 10,000 for a study and they're saving a million dollars in taxes. It's crazy. So yeah, um, yeah that does have a cost to it, um, but the cost is going to, or the benefit's going to far outweigh the cost. Yeah. I mean, it's just, it's just numbers. Hey, would you do this for that? It's what it comes down yeah. to. Um, wow, dude, this is pretty, um, pretty cool. I get it. Um, how about um, short-term um, property owners like flippers, um, people who are flipping homes? And then give me that question first. And then I have another yeah. question about length of time for other type of investors. Sure. So typically flipping, if you're flipping homes, it typically doesn't make sense because you're not holding the property. Well, a couple of reasons. One is, when you're flipping it, it's never going into service and therefore it's treated as inventory versus as an investment property. So you don't even get to take depreciation on it to begin with. And so flipping typically doesn't. Now, what we'll see flippers do is maybe I flip five houses this year. The last house, I keep it as a rental because I made $200,000 on my flips. I'm going to keep the last house as my as a rental property, rent it out for a few years take the 100% bonus, pay no tax on the 200,000 I made flipping and then sell it. So sometimes it does make sense if that's the case because you can use those deductions that you get from your rental property to offset your flipping income in most cases. And so that's oftentimes what we'll see flippers do is you don't get to take depreciation on the ones you flip, but maybe keep one or two of them every year so that you can use those deductions and pay no tax on that flipping income. And then how about... Um someone who's holding property, is there like a length of time that you see a window here? Like, is it like, Hey, am I better off like holding this property for 15 years? Or is this like a five-year thing? What, what's the trend there? I don't even know how to ask that question, but I think, you know, what oh, I, I know what you're saying. Yeah. So the longer you hold, hold the property, the bigger your benefit overall will be because there's a time value of money element. There's inflation. There's a number of reasons why. So the longer you hold it, the bigger savings you'll get on your cost seg study. However, on properties over about $500,000 of basis, you still want to do it even if you're only holding it for a year because your tax savings will be significant enough to justify a study. So as long as it's held for one taxable year. So if I buy it in January and I sell it in July, that doesn't work. If I buy it in January and sell it the following January and it's over $500,000, it's probably going to pencil out. Now, the nice thing, Mike, is most cost segregation companies out there will do a free benefit analysis. So they'll never engage you to do a study unless you're going to save significant tax dollars. And so always get the analysis done if you're holding it over a taxable year. And if the asset is at least 500000 it always makes typically always makes sense. I like it. Um, any um, 
closing thoughts you have for uh, anybody else um, that you have, and then um, tell us about your site and uh, where they can learn more about you. So kind of just closing thoughts. One thing I always like to add towards the end, I just think as you start to build out your real estate portfolio, and this goes for anything, this goes for, you know, if you're an investor and you're buying in a certain market and you're an investor, make sure that your real estate agent understands that market, understands your objectives as an investor, because your objectives as an investor are probably different than somebody who's looking for their primary home. And so, and that's in your world, the real estate world. In my world that I work in, typically with CPAs, tax preparers, as you build out your portfolio, there's a huge difference between tax preparers and tax strategists. A tax preparer, they work at Walmart in the lobby, H&R Block. You give them your W-2 information. They run it through their system. It spits out how much you owe. You write them a check and you're done. That's a tax preparer. They just input, output. They're not a lot of strategy. But as you're building your portfolio, it's very important to find a CPA or a tax preparer who specializes in real estate and understands real estate. Because if they're not telling you about things like cost segregation, if you're having to ask your CPA about cost segregation, there's probably other things in the tax code you're not aware of, and you're probably leaving a lot of tax dollars on the table. And so, yeah, a tax preparer, excuse me, a tax strategist is a little bit more money to pay because they're giving you more of their time. They're meeting with you three or four times throughout the year, asking you what you're buying, what you're selling, what your income looks like. But in this industry, whether it's a real estate agent or a tax preparer, you get what you pay for. And so, yeah, somebody might be asking for a little bit more commission up front, but if they have the knowledge and they're, they're saving you, you know, $100,000 on the purchase price of a property because they have the knowledge of the industry, who cares if you're paying them an extra 2000 in commission? You just saved 98000 net, right? So yeah. um, the same thing goes with tax preparers. Always find yourself a tax preparer who understands real estate because no matter what they charge, if they're good, they're going to save you tenfold that in taxes on the back end. Awesome. Um, why don't you tell them where your website is, uh, again, yeah. in case you guys want to learn more? Yeah, it's just www.costsegauthority.com. That's C-O-S-T-S-E-G authority.com. My contact information is up there. Um, information up there on how we'll run a free analysis if you're interested, if you think you have a property that might qualify. Um, don't hesitate to reach out, you guys. We we don't bill by the hour. We're not a CPA firm. We don't do tax returns here, but we're happy to answer questions and partner with you um, and facilitate answer any questions we can. So again, don't hesitate to reach out to any of us. We're happy to, to answer any questions you may have. Appreciate you. Uh, thank you folks for listening to another episode of the Real Estate Marketing Dude podcast. Folks, you know where to find us. If you uh, like what you heard there today, um, go visit his site, check him out, see what he's up to. Um, but thank you guys for listening to another episode. If you guys are stuck figuring out a way to stay in front of your database, how to market them, how to add more value to them, and how to stop being forgotten about and cheated on by other realtors because people don't remember who the hell you are, you got to visit Referral Suite www.referralsuite.com. That is S-W-E-E-T. And yes, we will help build your brand and stay in front of the people that matter most that are responsible for the vast majority of your business. Thank you for listening to another episode. We'll see you guys on next week's show. Appreciate it. Bye. Mm -hmm.
boom. Thank you for watching another episode of the Real Estate Marketing Dude podcast. If you need help with video or finding out what your brand is, visit our website at www.realestatemarketingdude.com. We make branding and video content creation simple and do everything for you. So if you have any additional questions, visit the site, download the training, and then schedule time to speak with a dude and get you rolling in your local marketplace. Thanks for watching another episode of the podcast. We'll see you next time. Oh,